Let's pray and uh, we will jump into Genesis 40, uh, 47 this morning. Genesis 47. But let's ask the Lord to help us as we consider his word. Father, Lord, thank you that the math has been done and there is no chance that Jesus was just a man and these prophecies were accidentally, coincidentally fulfilled in one person. God, thank you that, that you see the end from the beginning and, and you use prophecy to authenticate that this book is in fact your word. And so Lord, help us to tremble before you, before your word. Lord, help us to take you seriously. Help us to take you at your word. Lord, we don't want to just passively interact with scripture. And yet that's what will happen, except the spirit opens our understanding. Uh, Lord, help us to set our expectation that Lord, today we're gonna, we're gonna hear from your word. We're gonna hear from you together. And so word of God, speak to us. Have your way with our hearts and lives. Be glorified in and through us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Um, Mitch, that was a, a fantastic job that Mitch did laying out um, just that, that simple principle that, that prophecy is not accident, right? The, the word of God is being fulfilled. And a lot of these prophecies are being fulfilled before our very eyes, okay? We live in one of the most incredible prophetic times since 1948, just the fact that, that Israel is a nation again in her land, speaking her language, uh, it's incredible. You know, that, that second number that Mitch gave you, that number is so big, now you're not talking about a bu bucket the size of Texas with coins, you're talking about the whole galaxy and atoms. You gotta pick the right, right blindfolded, pick the right atom out of the, out of the, out of the galaxy, I mean, it's incredible. Uh, no way, it just happened by chance. And you gotta do the math on that. Is the word of God true? Is the word of God, I mean, is the word of God true or not? Uh, if it's true, then we better be like Samuel and let none of it fall to the ground, amen? Um, tell your neighbor that was weak. <laughs> Genesis 47. Verse one, and Joseph came and told Pharaoh and said, my father and my brethren and their flocks and their herds and all that they have are come out of the land of Canaan and behold, they're in the land of Goshen. And he took some of his brethren, even five men, and presented them unto Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said unto his brethren, what is your occupation? First question out of his mouth, what do you do for a living? What is your occupation? And they said unto Pharaoh, Thy servants are shepherds, both we and also our fathers. So notice, here in verses one through three, we find out there's no welfare in Egypt. The first thing that the boss wants to know is what can you do? What work can you do? There is no welfare in Egypt. And so, you know, because society devolves, we see welfare everywhere. Um, and, and, you know, much of it is to the corruption. Uh, becomes a, it becomes a cancer on society. Again, the principle, the New Testament rule is if you don't work, it's because you must not be hungry. Second Thessalonians 3 verse 10 says, for even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. 
Now them that are such we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work. Shut up and work and eat their own bread. I mean that's, oh that's harsh. Oh, now, no it's not. That's how God built us. That's how God wired us. Get a job and all the church said, Amen. yeah some of you got it. It's right either way, right? <laughs> Amen or you bum, okay? Get a job bum, I mean get a job. now. That's not to say that benevolence isn't needed. Sometimes we actually need benevolent giving. Benevolence is needed. Uh, There are widows indeed. There are fatherless children that have need and unless God's people stand in the gap, they're gonna suffer lack. First Timothy 5 verse 16 says, if any man or woman that that believeth have widows, let them relieve them and let not the church be charged, that it may relieve them that are widows indeed. If there is a widow in your family, you take care of them, but the widows who have lost all, there is no one to help them, there's no one to secure them, well then the church has a responsibility to those women. James chapter one verse 27 says, a pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction. Uh, To visit, right, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction doesn't mean you just show up and say, man, it's a bummer that you're suffering. Bye. No, that's not, no. We're meeting them at the point of their need. Uh, This is why we have a benevolence fund at MBT. Any member can designate to benevolence. Every dime of that will go into the benevolence account. And then if there is a need in this local church that is legitimate, because catastrophe, I mean, sometimes, sometimes catastrophe hits, right? And so you've got members who are faithful. They're moving forward in faith, and God allows this trial in their life. And this is an opportunity for the church to come alongside them and to be a help in a time of trouble. Uh, so we have a benevolence fund. We have a fatherless fund. Uh, every dime that goes to that goes to supporting widows and orphans uh, around the world. And so, man, praise the Lord for that. But now, don't miss the picture here in verses one through three. One day, you're gonna meet a king, and he's gonna wanna know your occupation. One day, you will stand before the Lord Jesus Christ at the judgment seat of Christ, and when the king asks, what is your occupation? You know, one day, our Joseph Jesus will present us to the Father, right, To to the king. And what will you say that your life is? You know, those who are working for him, those who are following in obedience to his word, they will not be ashamed at the coming of Christ. But those who deny him, Jesus is very clear on this, those who deny taking up their cross and following him, those who ignore his word and go away that's right in their own eyes, you may be born again, you may be saved, okay? He won't deny you a place in the kingdom. He won't deny you a place with the Father or in heaven, but he will deny you ruling and reigning with him. He will deny you helping him run his kingdom. Those who are with Christ, those who, whose occupation, their, their, their occupation is working for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords will not be ashamed at his coming. And so don't miss that, 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 that beautiful picture there. Verse four says, and they said moreover unto Pharaoh, for to so, sojourn in the land are we come, for thy servants have no pasture for their flocks, for the famine is sore, it's really bad, in the land of Canaan. Now therefore we pray thee, 
let thy servants dwell in the land of Goshen. And Pharaoh spake unto Joseph, saying, Thy father and thy brethren are come unto thee. The land of Egypt is before thee. In the best of the land, make thy father and brethren to dwell. In the land of Goshen, let them dwell. And if thou knowest any men of activity among them, make them rulers over my cattle. So this is typical. He's happy to prosper from hardworking men. He's happy to prosper by the, the industry of the Jewish people. Yet those who come after him, those who come of him, will despise them. Uh, they will put them into bondage. They will try to destroy them. But here's the key. He says, if there's any, right, if thou knowest any men of activity among them, uh, give them a job working for me. You know, the people who know how to work and work hard, they'll always have work. They always will. It's like, ah, I can't find a job. Well, you didn't find the job you wanted. Uh, find the job that you can get, work that job, work it heartily as unto the Lord, uh, you will advance in that place of employment. That's exactly how that thing will work. The good news is this is America, and um, you, you got, you, at, at this point you have freedom in terms of your employment. A job isn't assigned to you, so you have options, you have, you have I mean, you actually can go out while you're working the job that you have, you can be looking for the job that you want. See how that works? It was like, well, that'd mean overtime. I'm not sure I can do that. Well, I mean, how, how bad did you want the job that you want? I mean, like, go get it. Any men of activity, I want them working for me, Pharaoh says. Verse seven, and Joseph brought in Jacob, his father, and set him before Pharaoh, and Jacob blessed Pharaoh, and Pharaoh said unto Jacob, how old, right? How old art thou? And Jacob said unto Pharaoh, the days of the years of my pilgrimage are 130 years. Few and evil have the days of the years of my life been and have not attained unto the days of the years of the life of my fathers in the days of their pilgrimage. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh and he went out from before Pharaoh. So, in verses seven through 10, Jacob's testimony, this believer, Israel's testimony, the testimony of his life was that it was short and evil. My life has been too short and completely evil. Okay, how many this morning would say the same? Don't raise your hands, okay, don't do that. But, but, but your theme song, again, uh, hopefully you looked it up and, and now you can sing it with me. Your theme song is, Gloom, despair, and agony on me. Oh, it's so terrible. <laughs> oh, oh, deep, dark depression, excessive misery. That like, like, man, okay, so on one level, that is an accurate assessment of life, okay? On one level, I mean, this is what the Bible says. Job chapter 14, verse one. Man that is born of woman is of few days and full of trouble. I mean, that's it right there. We don't live long and, and, and life is hard. So the wise person recognizes you've got just a set amount of time on this planet. Want to use it well. Psalms chapter 90 verse 12 says, so teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. You know, you've only got today Right? You've only got today to submit to the word of God. You've only got today to submit to the lordship of Christ. You have no promise of tomorrow. James chapter four, 
Verse 13 says, go to now ye that say, today or tomorrow we will go into such city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas you know not, what shall be on the morrow? For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time then vanisheth away. For, for that you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. So that's, you know, on one level, Jacob has an accurate assessment of what his life has been, but at the same time, this mentality that my life is only bad, my life is only evil, this mentality is dangerous for the believer. 1 Corinthians 10.10 says we're not to murmur, we're not to complain. I mean, if you've got God in your life, and if you're a born-again Christian, you actually believe that the person of God himself indwells your heart by faith. Like God himself indwells you. You are the richest, most blessed, just at the point of being born again, at the point of your sins being forgiven. Right, you're, 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 you, you now are born again into new life in Christ. You are seated in him in heavenly places. You're in him, he is in you. He is, his life is what is now being lived through you. I mean, the, the Christian facing the roughest time on this planet is still the most rich, the most blessed, the abs- I mean, absolutely in a place of favor because God, they have God. So don't murmur. Now, the, the, the things that happened to Israel were for our example. And so 1 Corinthians 10.10 is a serious warning. Neither murmur ye as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Uh, don't do that. If you've got God, you've got everything. You are of all people most blessed. Now, so many Christians going through life tripping over their bottom lip. Why? Have you been saved? Do you, know that, do you know that the living God indwells your life, your heart and your life? Do you know this? If so, cheer up, man. <laughs> you are blessed. I mean, what does Jacob really have to complain about? God himself had appeared to Jacob. I mean, God's with him. Who can be against him? The whole world is facing famine and God God moved him at at Egypt's expense into a place of blessing. All God's ever done is take care of him. Any problems that Jacob has or that you have, they're of his own making, right? The problem, I mean, you think about it, the big problems that we face in life are are stereotypically the results of our decisions and our our actions. Uh, Very rare, very rare is the scenario where calamity just comes without cause, now it does, and those trials, we can trust the Lord in those. But here's a man that God has shown himself strong on his behalf. It is interesting though, I mean, here's Jacob saying, and I mean, think about it, I mean, he really did have a tough time. He lied to his brother and ran for his life, and that meant a hard season. And then he comes back, he has to face his brother, another hard time in his life, and then, and then, you know, because he didn't pay attention in Parenting 101. Uh, a couple of his boys go on a murder spree over the rape of their sister, and now he's in fear in the land that God gave him. I mean, he's, he, he has faced some tough times, no question about it, but at the end of everything, because of how God had blessed him, look what he's able to do. He's still yet able to bless Pharaoh. Look at verse 10, and Jacob blessed Pharaoh. No matter how much you've suffered, no matter how rough 
your recent road has been, you have the capacity to bless people. You have the capacity to be a blessing in the lives of other people. Notice Jacob makes assumptions about his lifespan compared to that of his father and grandfather. And the Bible warns us against that. 2 Corinthians 10, 12 says, we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measure themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. I mean, at the end of everything, you cannot expect your life will be the same as another's. What, what we like to do though is we like to find someone that we think are inferior to us uh, they've made poor decisions, they've, 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 they've made some kind of a mess of their life, and you think in your heart or in your mind they're beneath you or below you in some way, and you look at them, and, and when you compare yourself with this person, you're like, oh, I mean, I'm doing pretty good. I'm, uh, I'm actually a pretty hip, pretty sharp, pretty fly guy. Check me out. Okay, the problem is, is I didn't, make the comparison between myself and the person of Christ. That's the problem. See, I need to compare myself amongst me and just one other man, me and the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, and now I see who I really am. I mean, he devoted that sacred head for such a worm as I. People will change that word worm uh, in, in, in you know, recent times. Uh, the, 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 the word worm gets removed, you know, for such as I or, uh, or even a sinner. No, 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 compared to him, come on. Worms, our righteousnesses are as filthy rags in his sight. Thank God for his grace. And then we see that in the life of Joseph. Look, look at verses 11 and 12. Here is the grace of Joseph on God's people. Verse 11, and Joseph placed his father and his brethren and gave them a possession in the land of Egypt, in the best of the land, in the land of Ramses, as Pharaoh had commanded. And Joseph nourished his father and his brethren, and all his father's household with bread according to their families. Okay, don't, don't forget, what are we seeing? Joseph is a perfect type of Christ. Uh, his life and decisions picture the life and the decisions of Christ over us. And Joseph, as a type of Christ, takes care of his own. Uh, with that relationship with their Joseph, they have great privilege. He gives them, verse 11, a possession in the best of the land. Well, how blessed are we by our Joseph? I mean, come on. How blessed are we? It's incredible how blessed we are. You're not feeling me, so look at Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. We're blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, in Christ. Every promise that God has, 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 has intended for you, you have access to. You go on down to verse 16. Paul tells how he prays for the church. He says, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. You need to know who you are, what you have. You need to know what's up with your relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Here it is, verse 18. The eyes, I'm praying, right? The eyes of your understanding be enlightened. Being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling. That you may know, right? And what 
the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness, the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power. You ought to turn to the Christian closest to you and say, you are filthy rich in Christ. You are so blessed. Look at God's love and favor over your life. And your neighbor may have just answered you back, I'm flat broke. Yeah, I know, you may not have anything in the bank right now, but you got God in your heart. You're rich. Notice that Joseph has provision for everyone. And so don't miss that picture. Here are some people that are starving to death. That's what their future looks like. So the needy have to come, right? They must come to Joseph to live. Well, that's how it works. I mean, our sin debt, our sin condition, condition, you wanna talk about a famine. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. So the needy must come to Jesus to live. John chapter six, verse 68, then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou, you've got all the bread. You've got all the food. Thou hast the words of eternal life. And notice it's only when all come to the end of themselves. This is what we're gonna see in verses 13 through 22, okay? It's not until everyone comes completely to the end of themselves and, and, and everyone is completely surrendered to the lordship of Joseph that the famine ends. Okay, watch how this works. We're gonna title verses 13 through 22, the governing of Joseph. And don't, just watch for the picture here. Verse 13 says, and there was no bread in all the land for the famine was very sore so that the land of Egypt and all the land of Canaan fainted by reason of the famine. And Joseph gathered up all the money that was found in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan for the corn which they bought. And Joseph brought the money into Pharaoh's house. And when money failed in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan, all the Egyptians came unto Joseph and said, give us bread, for why should we die in thy presence, for the money faileth? And Joseph said, give your cattle and I will give you for your cattle Right, I'll, I'll, I'll keep giving you corn. I will give you for your cattle if money fail. And they brought their cattle unto Joseph. And Joseph gave them bread in exchange for horses and for flocks and for the cattle of the herds and for the asses. He fed them with bread for all their cattle for that year. And when that year was ended, they came, to, they came unto him. In the second year it said unto him, we will not hide it from my Lord how that our money is spent my Lord also hath our herds of cattle. There is not aught left, right? We're, I mean, we're flat busted. There is not aught left in the sight of my Lord, but our bodies and our lands. Wherefore shall we die before thine eyes, both we and our land? Buy us and our land for bread, and we and our land will be servants unto Pharaoh. And give us seed that we may live and not die, that the land be not desolate. And Joseph bought all the land of Egypt for Pharaoh, for the Egyptians sold every man his field, because the famine prevailed over them, so the land became Pharaoh's. And as for the people, he removed them to cities from one end of the borders of Egypt, even unto the other end thereof. Okay, so this prophecy of seven years of famine that follows seven years of plenty, it's unfolding just as Joseph saw Right, just as Joseph interpreted through Pharaoh's dreams. 
But here's the picture, okay? This is what you have to get from this section. Don't miss the picture. All life comes from Joseph at this time. But it ultimately requires his ownership and lordship overall. Do you see that picture? Everybody's dead. There's no, there's no hope that they're gonna make a life for themselves, a living for themselves. Everyone is dead unless they come to Joseph to receive life, to receive bread. Their money runs out, their stuff runs out, they can't barter with anything, so now they're selling themselves and their lands into Joseph's service. Okay, you know, you come to Jesus because you're a sinner and your wrath separates you from Almighty God. Um, your, the, God's wrath over your sin separates you from Almighty God. And there's no hope for you. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. One day death and hell itself will be cast into the lake of fire. But the gift of God, and it is a gift, okay? We're saved by God's grace through faith in the finished work of Christ, in the gospel of Jesus Christ, what Christ did in taking our sin to the cross of Calvary and suffering God's wrath over it. At the, at the point where you believe that Christ himself, God himself is your sin bearer and that he suffered the righteous Father's wrath over the wickedness of your sin, the minute you believe on him as your Lord and Savior, everything changes. We're saved by God's grace through faith. It's the gift of God, it's not of works lest any man should boast. Now, everybody, all Christians love Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and that's what everybody will memorize, but it keeps going. Verse 10 says that we are his workmanship, right? In other words, you become a new creature in Christ at the moment of your salvation, but you get recreated, right? You're, you are now created unto good works. Your life will now follow a plan, a path, a, preordain, a preordained path to follow God with the whole of your life. A lot of people do not come to Christ as Savior because they, they know, they know in their heart he's Lord. They know he's Lord and they wanna be Lord. They don't wanna surrender their life to Christ. Don't miss the picture. Ultimately, we have no power to sustain our own lives. We spend our lives in vain. What is your life producing? Where is your life going? What's coming out of your life? Without Christ, it's death. Without Christ, it's loss. Without Christ, you're gonna die forever. You spend your life in vain. Jesus is the only way. He's the only truth, he's the only life. Salvation, it is free, it is a gift. But it is an exchange of life. And when, I mean, at the moment of salvation, when Christ gives you his life, it's his life. That means your life is his, because <laughs> he is your life. You see how this works? I mean, ultimately, we surrender to the ownership of Christ, the lordship of Christ over all of our life. Look at verse 22. We look at how the financial order unfolds. Verse 22 says, only the land of the priest's body not, for the priest had a portion assigned them a pharaoh. Pharaoh had already given them that land, so Joseph can't buy it to give it to Pharaoh. Uh, and did eat their portion which Pharaoh gave them, wherefore they sold not their lands. They actually didn't need to sell their lands because 
Uh, they had an automatic allotment of bread. They were already taken care of. They were already fed. Okay, so verse 22, you see these pagan priests of Pharaoh were preferred over all the rest. They were preferred over all the rest. Now, there's a picture there. You'll see that principle repeated in Scripture from, I mean, Old Testament, New Testament. You see that principle repeated toward God's true priests, God's true ministers. Paul talked about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. He says, who goeth a warfare at any time at his own charges? Who planteth a vineyard and eateth not of the fruit thereof? Or who feedeth a flock and eateth not the milk of the flock? Say I these things as a man, or saith not the law the same also? For it is written in the law of Moses, thou shalt not muzzle the mouth of the ox that treadeth out the corn. Doth God take care for the oxen? Or saith he it altogether for our sakes? For our sakes, no doubt, this is written. That he should, that, he that ploweth should plow in hope. Okay, serve the Lord with your life and starve to death. That's not how it's supposed to work. That's not God's plan or his economy. He should plow in hope, and he that thresheth in hope should be partaker of his hope. If we have sown unto you spiritual things, it is, a great, is it a great thing if we reap your carnal things? I mean, at the end of the day, the church has the responsibility to make sure that the minister has a sandwich. I mean, that's just, that's just how it works. That's how God set it up. First Timothy chapter five, verse 17 says, let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. For the scripture saith, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn, and the laborer is worthy of his reward. And so there's the, there's the, the correlation of that principle. Uh, you see that even in the New Testament. Okay, verses 23 through 26. Here we're, we're gonna title this section The Goodness of Joseph. And Joseph said unto the people, Behold, I have bought you this day and your land for Pharaoh. Lo, here is seed for you, and ye shall sow the land, and it shall come pass, and it shall come to pass in the increase that ye shall give the fifth part unto Pharaoh, and four parts shall be your own. For seed of the field, and for your food, and for them of your households, and for food for your little ones. So if you get four fifths, the government gets one fifth. Uh, still, okay, I mean, Abraham brought tithes. He brought a tenth to the Lord, right? That's what he did. Before the law, Abraham is honoring the Lord out of the first of who he, Pharaoh's like, he gets double <laughs> what, what, what God's economy gets. Pharaoh, gets. Pharaoh gets double. Pharaoh's government is still more generous than ours. Wouldn't you just love to have a 20% tax rate? That'd be amazing, but there it is. Okay, so you're like, I don't know what you're talking about. You need to do a little, de- a little bit of research on, on net versus gross. And you will get offended <laughs> whenever you see the difference between those two numbers. There it is. Four-fifths, that's for you, for food for you, your household and your little ones. The other fifth, the government gets it. IRS is coming to collect. And they said, thou hast saved our lives. Let us find grace in the sight of my Lord, and we will be Pharaoh's servants. And Joseph made it a law over the land of Egypt unto this day that Pharaoh should have the fifth part. 
except the land of the priests only, which became not Pharaoh's. Okay, the picture is beautiful. What do they say to him? You've saved our lives. You've saved us. He saved their lives by making provision for them. When did he do it? He did it long before they ever saw famine. Long before they ever even knew of their need, Joseph was making provision for them. Jesus made provision for you long before you ever knew you were a sinner. Man, thank God for Calvary. And now, the grace of Joseph is now constraining them to consecrate themselves into the service of Pharaoh. Well, how much more should the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, how much more should that constrain us to yield ourselves to God? 2 Corinthians 5, 14, the love of Christ constraineth us. Romans chapter 12, verse one, we're to present our bodies what? A living sacrifice. That's holy, that's acceptable to God. So you've saved our lives, how? Because Joseph made provision for them before they ever knew they had need. And now what happens? Now all are commissioned to bear fruit in Joseph's service for Pharaoh. Seed is given to them to sow. They are to sow, they are to tend, they are to reap a harvest, and they're to do that for Joseph and Pharaoh. Well, that's how it works for you and I. Didn't we come to the Lord Jesus and say, you have saved us? And then what did he say to us? He told us to take the seed of the word of God and sow it into the field of the world. We're to preach the gospel to every creature. What are we to do? We're to take in a harvest, right? We're to take in a harvest in service to Jesus, to the glory of the Father. We're commissioned by the Lord Jesus to bear fruit to the glory of God. So he gives us seed to sow, seed to sow, you know. The seed is the word of God, the field is the world, and man, praise the Lord. As we abide in Christ, we're fruitful. Uh, We have the capacity to bear much fruit. Look at verse 26 again. Joseph made it a law over the land of Egypt unto this day that Pharaoh should have the fifth part, except the land of the priests only, which became not Pharaoh's. Okay, so at the end of the day, this does follow. Uh, the, the biblical principle that the first of all that we earn belongs to God. Um, and you don't see any exception to that in terms of God's people. A lot of people would like to look at verse 26 and say, oh, pastors don't have to tithe. No, MBT pastors tithe or they don't work here. <laughs> okay, that's just how that's gonna work, right? Uh, the first of all, not just all that we have, but the first of who we are. All of it belongs to the Lord, amen? That, that, you know, people talk about the tithe and they say, you know, the tithe was under the law. No, it was codified in the law, but the tithe, the tithe actually precedes the law. Abraham gave tithes. Jacob gave tithes. Uh, he promised the tenth of all that came in. You see it codified in the law. What do you have? You have a responsibility to honor the Lord out of the first of who you are and all that you have. Why? Because where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. That's how the principle works. 1 Corinthians 16 verse one says, now concerning the collection for the saints, as I had given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye, upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him. New Testament paradigm, 
If you've been greatly blessed, then you will greatly give. If you've been little blessed, be at peace, you'll little give. Everybody follow me on that? That's the principle, that's how it works. 2 Corinthians 9, verse six says, if you sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. If you sow bountifully, you'll reap bountifully. Here it is, every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly, or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. At the end of the day, if you say, you know what, God, you are first, and I don't like it, I ought to be able to spend this money on my agenda, my stuff, my priorities, but I'm gonna do it, because I have to. You're not pleasing God, okay? You're missing out on this incredible, God loves a cheerful giver. You know what you ought to do, is you ought to decide up front, God, you're first. I'm gonna purpose in my heart, You don't just have the first dime out of every dollar. You don't just have the dollar, the rest of the dollar that I'm gonna manage for your glory. You have the whole of my life, everything that I am, everything that I have, everything that I can do. Lord, it belongs to you. And then notice in all of this, okay, last thing in this section, Joseph doesn't neglect his business for the sake of his family. Matthew Henry, Again, makes a great point. He says, even natural affection must give way to necessary business. Parents and children must be content to be absent one from another when it is necessary on either side for the service of God uh, for their generation. That's, uh, that's, uh, that, that, I mean, that's really, you know it's real when believing parents uh, rejoicing can send their children to the other side of the world because they got to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. They got to be faithful and obedient to the call. Man, God's worth it. Joe doesn't back off on his job taking care of his family. Now, he does. Notice, you can do both. He takes good care of his family and he does a great job at his job. Last section, verses 27 through 31, we're gonna call this Guardian Joseph. And Israel dwelt in the land of Egypt, in the country of Goshen, and they had possessions therein and grew and multiplied exceedingly. And Jacob lived in the land of Egypt 17 years. So the whole age of Jacob was 147 years. 147 years. Um, You know, the days of my life very few, very evil. Well, he lived 147. That's not too shabby. That's not bad at all. Uh, now again, overall lifespans are shortening. His, his father outlived his grandfather just by five years. Abraham, when he dies, he's 175 years old. You see that in Genesis 25. In Genesis 35, Isaac dies and he's 180. Uh, so, so there it is. Uh, lifespans are shortening since the flood. And the time drew nigh that Israel must die. And he called his son Joseph and said unto him, if now I have found grace in thy sight, put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh and deal kindly and truly with me. You're making a commitment, not just to me, but all of mine. Bury me not, I pray thee, in Egypt, but I will lie with my fathers, and thou shalt carry me out of Egypt and bury me in their burying place. And he said, I will do as thou hast said. And he said, swear unto me. And he swore unto him. And Israel bowed himself upon the bed's head. Okay, so in verse 27, notice Israel is thriving in Egypt. 
They're increasing greatly. So God's fulfilling his promise to Jacob in chapter 46. Go, there I'm gonna bless you. I'm gonna make a mighty nation of you. Do it. And so he's keeping his promises. And so Israel's prospering even during a time of famine. I mean, God, you know, while, while the lost world, right, are, I mean, they're losing everything. They're being literally, they have to sell themselves into service. Uh, God's blessing Israel and making a mighty nation of her. It's incredible. And this is a picture of future days, right? Generations later in Exodus, the same thing will happen. There will be plagues in Egypt and Israel will be delivered. Uh, there'll be a, a t- another time of great loss for Egypt during which uh, the, the, the children of Jacob will be set free. They'll be incredibly blessed. And so there it is, you know, Joseph's taking care of his family, they're thriving, they're multiplying. Uh, it's all given to them. And the Egyptians are starving. Uh, they barely make it. Now notice jo- Jacob makes Joseph promise to bury him in Canaan. Okay, why? Because he knows that that is his place. This is a time of worship. Uh, he, according to Hebrews eleven twenty one, says by faith Jacob when he was a dying blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshiped leaning on the top of his staff. So again, you know, he's sober, he knows what's coming. We ought to all, right, we also ought to beware our mortality. Is appointed unto man once to die, the Bible says, after that the judgment. What's your plan for one second after you die? What's your plan for that? You have no control over that in and of yourself. Man, the call this morning is cede that control to the Lord Jesus. My plan, one second after I die, you know what my plan is? Jesus, that's my plan. He's my hope, he's my life. We We ought to beware our mortality. The wages of sin is death. Well, okay, so, so what? What does that have to do with, well, Romans 3.23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You wanna talk about a famine, an eternity separate from the life of God? Death for eternity. Israel faced a famine and certain death, and Joseph was the key to life. That's the whole of humanity. We're all sinners. We're all in desperate need of a savior. But Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And by coming, right, by him, we actually have relate, we're reconciled to the Father. Man, how rich, how blessed are we to be able to have the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, we come to you today in Jesus' name, and Lord, we ask for your help. Lord, if there are any here today that do not know you as as, as, as Savior, they don't know they don't have Jesus Christ. They don't know that He is their sin bearer. That through His finished work at Calvary, your wrath over their sin has been satisfied. Is there any here today that would say, Pastor, pray pray, pray for me? I, I don't know that I'm saved. I don't know that I have a relationship with God through Christ. Would you pray for me? Is there anyone like that in this service?
I want to pray for you specifically. Is there anyone? Pray for me. I'm not sure I'm on my way to heaven. I don't know that I have Christ in my life. Please pray for me. Yeah, okay. Anybody else? Please pray for me. I need to be saved. Lord, today is the day of salvation. Lord, today is the day where we stop going away that's right in our own eyes and we just take you at your word. Lord, for, 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 for any that do not know you, Lord, I pray that you pour out your spirit and conviction. Help them to see the reality, the faithfulness, the surety of your word and believe on you. Lord, for believers that have not surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus, Lord, I pray that today would be a day of rededication, a day where they would just surrender their life to Christ. Lord, you're worthy. You're worthy of all the glory. You're worthy. You're worthy to have your way. You're worthy to have your word be reality over our life. Lord, help us to settle for nothing less. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.